Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus you sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just $0.25, cents, and two-pocket poly folders are just $0.35 cents each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9 limit 30. Love Talk Radio. Hey guys, it's Thursday night, which means it's Finsider Podcast night. Welcome to the show. I also want to welcome in my producer james and my co-host chris you know him as duke and duke so you don't feel left out i don't want to forget your trumpets (laughs) (laughs) so welcome to the 2012 nfl season it's finally here Oh, I'm so happy. We finally have football. We actually have real stuff to talk about. I don't have to rack my brain every single day to come up with something new to try to get onto the site. So, uh, uh, you, you don't know how excited I am just to be able to say that we're actually at real football stuff. Uh, ooh, ooh. Hello? Hello? We might have our, uh, our 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 other fun-filled co-host Keith. How are you tonight? Fantastic. How are you? Not too bad. Welcome to the show. We've missed you. Somehow Here. I doubt that. I'll give I'll give you sound too. It's 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 not trumpets, but I mean, hey, at least you get something. I don't, I don't have a sound effect. James doesn't well, get anything. Are ridiculous. You, 
talking about those Highlander trumpets you have? <laughs> I don't want those. I mean, the, you can have them. I'll take the I'll take the slow clap that you just played for me. <laughs> I need I need to come up with a golf clap. <laughs> I'm sure oh. someone's done it. You can find it somewhere. But and Keith, since you are on the show now, welcome to the 2012 NFL season. Uh, uh, did you watch any of the coverage on NFL Network today? I just watched about an hour of it. So. I unfortunately don't have NFL Network yet. My DirecTV Wait. gets set up tomorrow. Oh, uh, inexcusable. Well, I got it done before the season. So. True. I'm getting a uh, Sunday ticket for free this year because I moved. Nice. And uh, I guess that was part of the package. So. I don't get the, I don't know, they have two of them now, and I guess the more expensive one comes with Red Zone Channel, which I right. I, I can understand. If I really, if I really want to overdose on these type stuff, I'd want that, but no thanks. No, thanks. no but I, I'm getting the I'm getting the max. If you don't know, guys, like Keith just said, DirecTV and their Sunday ticket package, you now have the standard, which gets you every game every week. Um, then that you have the uh, max package, which also then allows you to get the Red Zone channel, so you get all the different games. Um, you also can watch it on your phone, tablet, all that fun kind of stuff, which is the whole reason I'm getting it, is so that I can have it on my iPad. That That's that's key to me. I have to be able to watch on my iPad, which will let me watch multiple games at the same time. Not that I don't have two TVs in the room, but, hey, whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, how long before DirecTV starts advertising on the site? I mean, that would make sense, right? If they're all about the NFL. I mean, the NFL is their cash cow. Um, conflict of advertisements because um, we have a good tie-in with Comcast. Uh, so that that's the downside. And Comcast, I, I had a meeting actually with the Comcast guys, and they fully acknowledge that in a football world, it kind of hurts because DirecTV has done such a good job of holding on to Sunday Ticket as their own thing. But Comcast does have a lot to offer. They do have NFL Network. They do have a Red Zone channel. They call it a Red Zone channel just like um, just like DirecTV and the Red Zone channel on Comcast does the whole – get you to uh, multiple games and do the live look-ins and that kind of stuff. So they have a little bit different package. They obviously don't have the games, every single game, every single week thing, but they do have good packages too. So if you don't want to go to a satellite-type provider, I definitely would recommend doing the Comcast thing, even though people seem to hate Comcast because of their customer service, which the Comcast guys also acknowledged. <laughs> I say we bring both sides in and just have them fight to the death. Winner, winner gets advertising on the site, and then uh, I know you said that uh, DirecTV's done a good job of hanging on to the NFL, but are they at all affiliated with the whole Sony PlayStation Three thing that people? Because you can get direct or Sony uh, tickets through those guys as well, can't you? It, it had to be agreed to somehow. You can get it through the at least last year. I haven't seen if it's offered again this year to do that, but I, I don't was, know how they was, pulled that off. It, it was done through DirecTV. DirecTV was 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 uh, 
right. pushing the feed through the PS3s, and basically you were paying DirecTV via Sony. Sony was taking a little off the top. I was going to say someone someone's getting a cut there. Someone, well, it was like it, it's like it was like three hundred forty dollars to do it through the PS3. So they that was you know the 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 Sony cut was built into the, the additional amount for the price because right. I think it's only two hundred bucks. A lot of just for the record, Limey Finn did point out that it's Max package. Okay, that's not the, awkward at all. The double entendre of Max package. Right, yeah. We'll just refer to it. When, every, when something's awesome, it's Max package. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, before we get to what everybody wants to talk about, and Keith, you and I got to have some fun on Monday with uh, the two Pouncy twins, um, do want to talk. We actually did have the first day of training camp today. Players reported at 8 a.m. this morning from after reporting until about 11.30, so a little over three hours worth of physicals then. And then starting at 11.30, the team started doing conditioning drills. Uh, if you did not see it, conditioning drills basically were the width of the field. Players had to sprint to the far side and back, and they had to do it within between 14 and 17 seconds is the target. They had to do this 10 times, and they got about 45 seconds of rest between reps. So it was no joke. Um, have not heard, expect to hear, but have not heard of anybody failing it yet. Uh, the NFL has actually put out multiple times that conditioning tests are a confidential thing. You don't put out if a player fails it, all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, the NFL emails out to the press the list of everybody who failed it. Right, so, like a wonder lick. Yeah. I'm supposed to know who failed it or who got a three on it or who just spelled their name right and that's it. But one way or another, that information is coming out. Yeah, so we'll see tonight. Um, obviously, the one that everybody is uh, speculating could have failed it would be John Jerry, um, especially given that the Dolphins signed Eric Steinbach today. So it, it really looks like Jerry's future with the team may be in jeopardy. Um, it was kind of perfect timing for Limey Finn to post it in the uh, live thread because – it's what we're going to talk about next. Dolphin signed Steinbeck gives them good flexibility. I've heard speculation already that Steinbeck could move over to left guard, which would push Richie Incognito over to right guard. It's probably a move that makes sense. I really think Incognito at this point in his career would be a stronger right guard than he would at left guard and having to pull and run and all that fun stuff. Um, either way, I think the line is – much better with Steinbach in there than Jerry right now. I, I Personally, I like Jerry. I think he has potential to do well in the league, but he's probably in the wrong system now. The Dolphins have moved to this zone-blocking scheme, and I just don't know if Jerry can work in that scheme. Not um, a terrible fit in any kind of like zone-block setup. And I know I was talking to you, Keith, about this today, and you pointed out that the Lions would make sense for Jerry. And I think that's right on. I think I think the lines make a lot of sense. Yeah, Cardinals will make sense. Um, well, unless 
unless I slept on it uh, and I didn't catch the Cardinals switching over to some kind of zone blocking scheme, where didn't those guys have like the it, like the the fattest lineman in the league at one point? I think they averaged like three hundred and twenty some pounds of position on the line. Uh, they probably did. I think that sounds about right. Um, Don't humor me. No, I do. I think it sounds about right. I think the other thing, the other team that makes sense is uh, the Jets. I mean, how much are they stressing that they're going to be a power running team? They're going to be a power running team. They're going to be a power running team. Tony Sperano's in there. Sperano seems to like these big, huge offensive linemen, especially ones that can't do anything like Mark Colombo. So, uh, hey, why not uh, give Jerry a shot up in New York? He can at least block for their punt protector. I mean, their backup quarterback. Have you seen Sperano on Jets practice? No, I haven't. Actually, that's one of the things. Well, obviously, the NFL Network spent about 50 minutes of the first hour talking about the Jets. Uh, no. Battle in training camp because we all care about that. <laughs> and uh, they, they just showed him walk, walking around. It was ridiculous. Who's bigger right now, Sperano or Ryan? Uh, it's probably Sperano now. Ryan had the bypass or lap band or something done. He looks like he has a parasite. So. I mean, <laughs> just like there's there's nothing there. I mean, I I had read that he, he had lost weight, but I didn't see any pictures. And then I was just, I was taking a bath when he showed him. I was like, yeah, there he is, man. So, I mean, which is fine. I mean, I'm I'm glad that it's, it's not to see anyone get healthier. But yeah, I'd say that Sprano uh, probably has the wider base at this point. Well, he is an offensive line guru, except for that whole Mark Colombo disaster. But maybe he's just trying to take on the same shape as his offensive lineman. Hey, while we're sitting here, I just want to let you all know that uh, I just got a UPS delivery. Um, I now am the proud owner of a Ryan Tannehill autographed mini helmet. Nice. So it just got here. Look at the timing. Perfect. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, Limey Finn, to go back to the question of does Jerry have a future with the franchise, he could. I'm not saying he's done here, but it's getting a it's getting to be a very short leash on him. Um, I would not be surprised if he ends up on the pup list and – he ends up having to do conditioning and physicals every single day for the next few weeks to try to get into shape for the team. Um, at, at some point, the team's going to need a Mahler-type guard out there. I don't know what point that is. Having Jerry as a reserve might not be a bad thing, but I, I don't know. He He could have eaten his way out of Miami by now. Hmm. So... Um, Trying to think of what else training camp today. Um, the other obvious story for training camp is RT-17. Tannehill not yet signed. Um, speculation there is a lot of it is starting to be that HBO could be setting this up to add in the drama of when will he sign and getting the video of him signing and getting the uh, camera into Jeff Ireland's 
office so that the negotiation can be filmed and all that. I don't know. I don't know how much of all of this is HBO twisted. I mean, it could be all of us just looking at it and going, "Well, HBO must be involved." It could be absolutely nothing HBO's doing, and just the team hasn't come to agreement with him yet. But it'll happen yeah. soon. I would not be surprised if it happens tonight or sometime early tomorrow. I would say tomorrow. Tannehill can't sign right now because he's too busy doing some guest spot for True Blood or whatever kind of segue HBO is planning for that guy. Well, I mean, he also could be just busy with Lauren. Uh. <laughs> right, whatever. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, preventing him from signing a multi-million dollar contract. <laughs> Uh, I would actually say I would actually say one is paying for the other, so I I, I expect it to get done tomorrow. But I'm I don't I'm, he's not gonna unless like uh, meteor comes down and hits Gerard and and Matt Moore at the same time. Tannehill's not gonna be starting week one, so and I I would yeah. like him to get in there. But I mean, it's not like the training camp and preseason is gonna be the only time for him to learn. You know what I mean he's gonna. He's going to be there a while, in my opinion. Well, I hope, because I'd he like will. to think we're playing, we're playing some competitive football this year. We will be. I, I really – I look at all these rankings, and um, I'll, I'll have a post a little bit later on, but um, – I say um too much, by the way. Uh, so I yeah, you'll weed yourself off of it. It, it takes practice. <laughs> Guy over at uh, Newsday today – put out his power rankings leading into the NFL season. About the Dolphins, he wrote, the only question is when Ryan Tannehill takes over as the starter. There's no question Miami will struggle before and after he plays. And he gave us a grand ranking of 32nd in the league. That was nice of him. So, yeah. The Browns, Rams, Jaguars, Vikings, Colts, Redskins, Cardinals, all ahead of the Dolphins because Miami is in the basement. So. I don't see how anyone can justify putting the Jags ahead of us. They have some serious issues to work out. I mean, right the Jaguars are 29th, so the Browns and the Rams both fall below them, too. Well, I mean, the thing is, the, especially the Rams and, uh, to a lesser extent, the Browns, those guys had, those teams had really strong drafts, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I mean, that's all, you're, you're still looking at hypotheticals, because, I mean, you don't know, I mean, you've seen you read the thing about how the Rams are trying to structure Janoris Jenkins' contract, right? Where it's pretty much like instead of getting the full signing bonus, you get, it's like a tiered system where they keep right. playing, they keep uh, throwing more money at them. And but I thought that they, the Rams, really took care of their hold and and really at a lot of times just took the best player at the same time, which is, I mean, that's that's an ideal set when you're when you're drafting. And I think Whedon's going to be a good quarterback in Cleveland. I mean, uh, a lot of I everyone. like Whedon. Um, I think they gave up on McCoy too quickly. Yeah. Just yeah. because I, I'm I'm a firm believer in quarterbacks take time to develop. Um, but I, I can't I can't say the Browns are better than the Dolphins. I can't say that the Jaguars with either Blaine Gabbert Gabbert or Chad Henney are better than the Dolphins. Um. I can't say any of those guys or any of those teams are. So I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll put my 
exasperation and my frustration into the uh, article when I write it, most likely for tomorrow morning, but we'll see. Man, it's um, all preseason fodder. Remember when Sports Illustrated picked us to go to the Super Bowl in 2006? We were terrible <laughs> that year. So I, I just don't yeah. care. I mean, but it's, I, I understand what you're saying because it's not so much that they're saying we're going to struggle. It's the reasons they offer up. Like, who's right. going to do stuff besides Reggie Bush? Well, I mean, we did draft other players here. I mean, oh, Daniel yeah. Thomas could be good. I mean, we our offensive line should and almost certainly will be a lot better. And our, I expect our defense to really tear it up this year. So, but when they come out and it's just like, well, who's going to do stuff besides Reggie Bush? Well, yeah, okay, I have a problem with that. Because I and think we have some really capable players on offense. The team gets beat up for not having a quarterback because they can't decide between Garrard, Moore, or Tannehill. Yet Jacksonville, okay, aren't they having a quarterback issue with Blaine Gabbert, who nobody has confidence in, and the backup is Chad Hayden? Okay. Um, what about Seattle? If you're a Jags fan, you, not... pay, you paid Matt Flynn all that money, and so far everything seems to say – Tavares Jackson is the quarterback. He's the guy that looks uh, good. I've read a lot of things. I mean, granted, again, this is just crazy. A lot of people think that, that Seahawks' job at some point is going to go to Russell Wilson. Yep. I think that they end up throwing Matt Flynn out there just because they need to. They're because they him. paid him the money. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think both of those guys eventually do lose it. I expect that team to really try to get by. Seattle's defense should be pretty good this year, actually. So, I mean, they could win games, but I don't know. I, I don't feel like we let anything slip away uh, by Matt Flynn going to Seattle. I mean, people, I everyone was up in arms over that, but, wow, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that move. Uh, looking at the defense, though, I think you are dead on right. We're we're going to have a scary defense. I'm I'm almost 100% sure of that. I, w- I will leave some space just so that I don't back myself into a corner. And we saw what happened last year with our scary defense that decided to cramp up in week one and never recover for eight weeks. But uh, it'll 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 be a good defense, hopefully, to start the season and just get better as the year goes on. I think as... Jared Odrick gets more playing time. He's going to develop more. You're going to see uh, Olivier Vernon develop more and become something scary. You pointed out, because I completely forgot about him, Keith, that we have Tony McDaniel still. He gives us flexibility. You have Soli eating up guys in the middle. You have Starks, who knows how to play defensive end but has the size to play defensive tackle. So it gives you flexibility to move him around. You can pull, since this is a hybrid, you can slide Wake or uh, Vernon or Odrick back into a defensive or a correctional linebacker position. With Misi and Burnett on the sides, you have ability to cover tight ends and shift them around. The safeties are going to be interchangeable between free and strong side. You'll have Rashad Jones out there making ball-hawking-type moves. Whether or not he succeeds is still to be seen, but you'll have that. You should have Clemens or Culver 
making good solid plays to back up Rashad Jones as he takes the uh the um risks. And then you still have Jimmy Wilson floating around back there who has the skills to be a ball hawking type safety. Add in Vontae Davis and Sean Smith, who should both flourish under Kevin Coyle's system, and our defense should theoretically be a dominating defense. I think I'm also excited about the, the idea of Soliai actually playing more of a, a one-technique role where he can just line up off the off the center shoulder because that guy's going to command a double team. So whoever, whoever we're using, if we're in a, a – Four three set. Whoever's playing that three technique, I mean, it's just going to be like a one gap and go. It's kind of like you know with uh, when Warren Sapp played, you know. And I mean, like he, he's not a two gap guy. I mean, like he knows exactly where he's going. But the, and the funny thing is, Tampa never had a uh, a dominant one technique to put next to that guy. We're kind of like the other way around. We have just an unbelievable talent uh, at the one. So it's, yeah, if Starks. Starks could have a fantastic year just by way of playing next to Soliai. And another thing is, you and I talked about this yesterday, you can disguise anything with Soliai on the field. I mean, bring McDaniel McDaniel in, same thing. And now, and I mean, I use this comparison loosely, but like I said yesterday, they could use Odrick in a sort of tuck type role where you could just move him all over the defensive line. I mean, you can kick him inside on a – I don't know, passing down, or, I mean, you can say you can roll him at the defensive end. I'm not saying he is Justin Tuck, but I, I see that sort of versatility at this point. So I'm really excited. The defensive line is something I'm really excited about right now. Linebackers, not as much, but I could change your tune on that. Uh, before we go on, Keith, can you uh, explain the different gaps and what the different techniques mean? Right, are you making fun of me? No, seriously, I'm that way everybody can hear it because I know there are people out there that you hear it all the time. He's a five technique, and people have no idea what a five technique means. Well, uh, five technique isn't going to be as prevalent right now, but essentially what it means is uh, if, if you're a five technique and you're in the three four, it means you're a defensive end. You're lining up right on the tackles. Okay, and that's why those guys need to be bigger because technically they're a two-gap guy. And but this is so hard when I don't have a lot of time to think about uh, how I want to structure this and simplify it. Ultimately, in this, uh, if you're playing the four three, you're welcome. And you have Paul Filiai. He's not lining up directly on the center as he would if you were a nose. Because if you're a nose, you're a two gap guy. You're responsible for both sides of that center, which are called the A gap. So you would have like weak side and strong side A gap. Rather, Filiai is going to be lining up all over his shoulder off of his shoulder, technically, which makes him, suddenly he becomes a one. And what you want is you, you don't expect a, a center, you don't, really don't expect anyone to block Paul Filiad by themselves. So they're going to require help. And on the other side, you're going to have a three technique, which would be lining up off the guard's shoulder. And, I mean, like, he's got a straight lane. Because you'll see, like, two-gap and one-gap systems. Two gaps tough because you got to be big and you got to be able to read the play. But if you're in a one, one gap's almost like simplifying it. It's it's kind of like streamlining the process. So instead of reading the play and deciding which gap you're going to take, you have one hole 
so. to uh, to further kind of expound on that a little bit, if you want to, if you're looking at it from the top down, like on a X and O chart, you can use your the techniques go by the number. So you can say a zero technique would be standard nose tackle, lining up directly over the center's head. A one technique is to either side of the center. A two is directly over the guard. Three is on the outside shoulder, and so on and so forth. Uh, when you hear people, they always talk about the Philadelphia Eagles with the wide nine. The nine technique is basically just a defensive end that lines up on the outside shoulder of the tight end. So that yeah. they can get a quicker arc to uh, to the quarterback. So that's that's where those numbers come in a little bit, is where they kind of position it. And I know you, you mentioned that, but I kind oh, of... Oh, you know, the funny thing? This is when you need a dry erase board, so you can just kind of... <laughs> So we can just go ahead and, and really outline the X's and O's in the trenches. But, yeah, a good point is you're seeing a lot of wide nine now because you'll get these these feisty, sometimes undersized defensive ends, and you're really you're spreading those guys out wide. And, I mean, they're really they're just pinning their ears back. And I think you, you see Philadelphia doing that. I think uh, I read St. Louis is looking for something like that. So... It's something where I really could use a dry erase board there. But, they, I mean, it'll, and, uh, it's a lot easier to understand in the 4-3 because it's, it's like one-gap type stuff, whereas um, I think I wrote a, a post about this, but, like, that Parcells, like, planet theory, where there are only so many men on the planet who are big and big enough and smart enough to play defensive line in the 3-4. Because, I mean, you have to occupy – I mean, really what those guys are – are glorified blocking dummies because I mean you're occupying a lot of space and if you're really good at it and you can you can figure out which gap you want to take and to get into the backfield uh, those are that's why a three four defensive end is so important that's why Warren Sapp was terrible at defensive end in the three four when he was in Oakland he's just not that kind of guy he's not someone who's going to be able to 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 <clears throat> excuse me off the snap make a decision on what gap he wants to take, where he is when he was in Tony Dungy's system in Tampa Bay. It, he, he pretty much had a, a free lane. It was like the freeway to the quarterback every time. And one thing to go along with what you're saying is we noticed in 2010 that Paul Soli had a, you know, a big year, and in 2011 he didn't have as much. And I read some stuff about it, and it seems to me – and I'd have to go back and watch it, but it seems to me that you can run a 3-4 and your nose tackle can be a one-gap guy, but you have to have the inside linebacker to be kind of the other guy to take the gap he doesn't take. And I think when we had Channing Crowder, he was that linebacker that did that. Uh, Solely I would pick his gap, go, Channing Crowder would cover the other, and then Dansby would play up the rest. It seems to me that last year... They tried to turn Soliai into the true two-gap nose tackle, and he wasn't as good as that. And we had to do that, I think, because I don't think Burnett was the the Crowder type that could go in and take on the other block to let the other guy clean things up. So I yeah. read that you, you know, a little bit that you can have a one-gap 3-4 if you have the right system for that. In 2010, I think we did. And Soliai was able to flourish in that. <clears throat> Excuse me. In 2011... He was more of a two-gap nose tackle, and he struggled with that. I think now going to 4-3, where he's a one-gap guy, 
I think we're going to see him get more pressure on the quarterback from that position. And like you said, he's going to he's going to have to be double teamed. Yeah, and uh, Wade Phillips' dad Bum is actually one of the one of the guys who really popularized the uh, the one gap three four, which is something you really didn't you really don't see that much of. And the other thing you're talking about with the the inside linebackers responsible for a gap there. I don't know if you've ever heard John Madden talk about the double bubble, but that's what that is. So essentially, you would have the you would have the zero technique nose tackle right on the center. You would have the five technique defensive ends right on the tackles. And then those inside linebackers are back five, seven yards, and they are right lined up right on the guard. So if you ever heard, I, I remember people made fun of when John Madden constantly called it a double bubble, but that's what that means. So what I'm getting out of this is that Chris or Keith, one of the two of you needs to put together a post diagramming all of this. I've already done that. I did that okay. last fall. Well, then copy it and repost it. Oh, how well, hard I, did. <laughs> I made a post. I made a post uh, earlier in the off season about how I thought the defensive players would fit in, or the front seven would fit in, and I was actually going to put right. a diagram up. But the SB Nation rules about the you can't just you know take somebody's artwork and make it your own kind of thing. So due to that, I decided I'm not much of an artist, so I wasn't going to draw one up myself. Um, but they are out there. Uh, you can just Google image them, and you can put them on there, and see kind of the diagrams of what, of what like the, the different like the gaps and the numbers and things like that. And I'm not like I said, I'm not very good at that kind of artistic stuff. But if somebody could draw up, you know, maybe Keith can draw up, you know, the <laughs> what what they're talking about, what we're talking about in terms of. Being a two gap, one gap, the double bubble thing, and all that. It's tough without without having a visual, especially in this one. Um, but there, that's that's definitely a good idea. I'd like to. I mean, Kevin's the one who's got access to the the video on the site, but I would like to see that. I would like us to do an explanation on that, and then I'm sure some people out there aren't completely uh, aware of what zone blocking is. So we can do something on that too, because I don't I don't think zone blocking is necessarily a complicated scheme, but it's certainly thinking outside of the box, especially if you if you're a Dolphins fan and you've watched this team run a power scheme for however many years. So I mean that would all that would all help, but yeah, whenever I talk about zero technique, one technique, threes, and, and then fives, I mean I always get cross looks from people, and it's like, look, if I could sit down and and draw this out for you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here. If you guys go into the uh, live thread, I just posted a picture with all the diagram and where the A gap, B gap, C gap is, and then the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 techniques. And, uh, speaking it's of down the, there on the bottom. Nine, speaking of the 9 techniques, I actually think we'll see some of that this year, with, uh, especially when we go to a nickel package with Wake and Vernon on the field. Uh, I think we will definitely see Wake and Vernon light up very wide of the tackles. uh, And uh, who was it? um, Martin H04 that did the post yesterday about uh, the missing sacks of Wake and how he was uh, held legally 13 times. If we get in a position where we can do that wide nine, you'll probably see that a similar number, if not more. <laughs> and 
and hopefully Vernon can, you know, can progress enough to where he can, uh, you know, be an outside force on the right side and pick up, you know, pick up between hopefully five and ten sacks and make our defense that much more dangerous. So let's switch side of the ball. Sides of the ball. There we go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Max Package. Max Package. <laughs> Magic Mike and Fears this weekend. But uh, if we switch sides of the ball, now our offensive line with Pouncey, who runs like a guard but is a dominating center and uh, everything. I, I won't go into one of the questions that we're about to play on the uh, interview. But uh, you have Incognito on one side of Pouncey and probably, most likely, Steinbach on the other side. And then you have uh, Jake Long and Jonathan Martin at the tackles. Are we capable of covering both a 3-4 with a zero guy on top of Pouncey and then a 4-3 with our offensive line? Thinking towards the zone blocking scheme versus the just lining up and blocking the guy right in front of you. And then there was dead air. I think in terms right. of <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know if that was a rhetorical question or not. <laughs> I, I, I think it's caught me off. Caught you off guard though. Pompey's absolutely the kind of person who can take a guy one on one. That's the nice thing about him, even though he's got the athleticism and uh, intelligence he looks for in his own blocking scheme. He's a big boy. I mean, that guy's not tiny. He's, what, like 6'5", 305, 310". I mean, he's he's built, and he's got the kind of base where uh, he can take a lot of he, – he could probably stand a, a fair amount of people up on his own. Now, if you're talking about if you if you gave him um, – trying to think like Casey Hampton in his prime or like a Sean Rogers, I don't know. The reason those guys are in there – is because, I mean, there's such a load to handle. But if anyone can do it, it would probably be a Pouncey twin. Chris, anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of on the edge, I think we're fine. I don't don't think we have to worry about – I think with the acquisition of Martin to play right tackle, and, of course, with Long, you know – I think we're fine covering those those edge guys. Um, and in pass blocking, I was trying to find it. Um, I think it was this year. Uh, Pro Football Focus uh, listed uh, Richie Incognito as one of the uh, better pass blocking uh, guards in the league. So I think he'll be fine. The right guard position still kind of. If he, I think it all depends on Pouncey and just how well he develops. I remember, you know, last year, a little bit of training camp there was that, you know, I, I was reading a lot, you know, just solely I was just handling him, you know, and just moving him around and things like that. And I think, I think if he develops and becomes a more powerful center uh, and, and anchors a little better, I think we'll be, be fine up the middle. I feel good about our offensive line this year. So I'm going to feel a lot better about it. Steinbach playing off guard, actually. So, I mean, we'll see. It's one of the few things. One thing I don't like about Incognito is his ability to pull as a guard. It's just it's never been there, in my opinion. 
and he's average at best. I mean, you watch a guy like like Pounty whenever, like even when he was at Florida and he was pulling from the center position. I mean, like that guy gets around the edge in a hurry, and I mean, like and he's he's ready to to lower the boom on whoever gets in his way. So I just feel like it's something where if we could find someone more athletic at left guard, I'm all for it. Do you think Steinbach is that guy, especially coming off the back injury that he had last year? I do. I mean, as long as he check, I mean, if he checks down, he's healthy. Then absolutely. So, I mean, what do you think it is with this team right now deciding to go after guys who sat out all of last year with a back injury? Steinbach, Gerard. We're we're trying to build up that team. Uh, we want to. <laughs> we want a retirement home. <laughs> we are in Miami. And uh, we want the team to reflect it, reflect the uh, the civilians in the area. The, the Marlins went after the Latino population, so the Dolphins are going after the retiree population. I don't want to talk about the right now. <laughs> but, okay, since we are talking about the uh, offensive line, and I did just tease a few minutes ago that it was 10 minutes till the interview, go ahead and bring in our interview. Uh, we did this. Keith and I got a chance to interview Mike, Mike and Marquise Pouncey on Monday morning. Um, they're they're working on a way for you guys as fans of Team USA to provide messages to the athletes as they're competing during the Olympics, which opening ceremonies are tomorrow night, even though some of the games have already started because all the soccer tournaments are going on right now. Um, all you have to do to support is go to Duracell's Facebook page. On there, they'll have a app that sends you to their virtual stadium. And within the virtual stadium, you can send out anything you want the athletes to be able to see. The Meanwhile, Duracell will have another virtual stadium on the opposite end over in London. So when player, or when athletes come through, they'll be able to see the messages you guys send. The key side to this is there's also a competition going on between the two Pouncey brothers. And whichever one of the Pounceys gets the most messages of support tagged with his name, either Team Mike or Team Marquise, will win the competition. Then the loser ends up with an option of multiple multiple uh, punishments that they'll have to go through. Um, I'm trying to pull up the list, and for some reason my thing doesn't want to work for me right now. Uh, here we go. Um, the options are one... The, there are four options. Whoever receive or whatever one of these options receives the most votes on Facebook will be the punishment that the loser has to have. The four options are the loser has to do rhythmic gymnastics in a leotard. The loser has to spend the entire day dressed like Uncle Sam. The loser has to step into a mat and spar against Team USA Taekwondo athlete Diana Lopez. Or the loser has to dye his hair red, white, and blue for one week. So that's what they're playing for, the two brothers. Um, and we'll go ahead and bring in the interview and let you guys hear it, and hopefully you all enjoy it. We're pleased to be joined hey, by Pittsburgh Steelers Pro Bowl Center Marquise Pouncey and Miami Dolphins Center Mike Pouncey. Gentlemen, how are you today? Doing Pretty good. How you doing? Not too bad. You're on the Finsider Podcast. I'm Kevin. I have my co-host Keith with me today. Hello. Right out hey, of the uh, shoot, 
Mike, how does it bother you that Marquise has the title Pro Bowl center and you don't? It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I'm Marquise's biggest fan. Uh, obviously, he's my biggest fan, too. So, you know, I wish him nothing but success every time he goes out and steps on the field. He's been doing a great job so far. You know, uh, I just had my rookie season last year. So it's, it's, it's better and more to come from me, too. Just so you guys know, I'm in the Army. I have two brothers who are in the Army. I know a thing or two about sibling rivalry, but at the same time, I've never been on that side where you're waiting to see or I've never been on that side where I'm trying to see my brother's unit fail. How do you two balance seeing your brother succeed at the same time as wanting to see your team ahead of them in the scoreboard or in the standings? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're obviously each other's biggest fan, but at the same time, we're each other's biggest competitor. Uh, we go out there and uh, we play our hearts out just to see each other's teams to see. Uh, obviously, at the same time, we're rooting for each other, but um, we definitely go out there and compete against each other. Uh, you know, obviously, I always going to do better than Keith. He always wants to do better than me in anything we do. But uh, at the same time, we're each other's biggest fan, and so we just root for each other and hope that both of us go out there and play as good as we're supposed to. Uh, training camps are starting this week. Marquise, you're reporting on Wednesday. Mike, you get an extra day before you start. What are you guys looking most forward to in training camp this year? Just to get back out with the guys again, man. It's going to be fun to get out there and get a little contact going, the excitement of all the guys in football camp and guys going out there competing for a spot, man. It's just awesome to be in that environment. Also kicking off this week are the London Olympic Games, and I know you two have teamed up with Duracell to support Team USA throughout the games. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? We're just excited to be a part of Team Duracell. Uh, obviously, we're doing uh, uh, big things for the Olympics this year. Uh, we're just glad to be a part of it. Uh, we're, we're trying to get uh, the fans to interact with all the Olympic guys and uh, support the Americans. And so we're just glad to be a part of it, man. Duracell is doing a great job. Uh, this time last year, we were trying to get back into football after the lockout. Mike, how is it different pre preparing this season, having your first full off season to prepare, as compared to getting ready last year? Well, we have more of an advantage this year. You know, uh, the rookies came in last year, and uh, our first practice with our football team was uh, during training camp, and it was preparing to play teams. It wasn't trying to learn the playbook. It wasn't trying to get adjusted or be accepted by your teammates. Uh, so this year, you know, we got a full training camp our full off season sorry and uh we gotta you know learn a new playbook, we gotta meet a new coaching staff and now our rookies gotta come in and they gotta got a chance to get accepted by the older guys on the football team instead of just coming in a training camp and just trying to go out there and just play as hard as you can and get on the football field. Right. Keith, uh, you, you have guys, a question you wanted to ask? Yeah. You guys have such an identical skill set at this point. Is there anything that one of you does better than the other on the football field? Or are you guys like just completely both like neck and neck I think we're pretty much neck and neck on the football field Mike's probably a little bit smarter in the classroom <laughs> <laughs> Marquise I'm sorry to do this to you but we are Miami Dolphins blog so it's time to let Mike uh -huh. have a little bit more of the spotlight Mike what do you <laughs> think of the, problem, <laughs> what do you think of the new offense Mike is it really as fast as all the reports seem to have said I think I think it's great, man. I, I think our, it, it fits our uh, football team. Uh, it fits our our scheme of guys that we have on the fifth on the football field. And I think the up tempo offense is going to give us the advantage to go out there and beat up on some defenses and uh, wear them down early in football games. How do you like the uh, zone blocking scheme versus what you guys were running last year? 
I love it, man. We got an athletic offensive line, and uh, we got a, we got a couple great running backs that can, uh, as long as you give them a few seconds to make a read, and they're going to make big plays for us. And so I think the offense and the tempo are going to help us win a lot of football games this year. Okay, speaking of the running backs, Reggie Bush has said his goal is to become the NFL rushing champion. Are you going to be able to get him there? Oh, definitely. I mean, he he has the skill set to do it. He has the offensive line in front of him to do it. As long as we go out there and play as one like we're supposed to, and, uh, and he, he'll definitely have the, the opportunity to do it this year. Leading up to the draft, the funny thing was I was a big proponent until Ryan Tannehill started coming up as the guy. I was a big proponent of taking Jonathan Martin in that first pick. We ended up getting him in the second round, which – made me extremely happy given that we now had Tannehill and Martin. How's he transitioning to the speed of the game and how's he transitioning from working as a left tackle to a right tackle? He's doing a good job, man. He's a very athletic offensive line. Uh, he's obviously a smart guy. He went to a very uh, Ivy League school. and uh, but He's doing a great job, man. Um, he did a great job with the offseason. The guys, we uh, we took him in as a guy with open arms in our, in our offensive line room. Uh, obviously, we can't wait to see what he can do with the football pass on because it's a whole different game when you put on the pass. But right. so far, we're very impressed with the, uh, his athletic ability and uh, the way he goes out and works hard, and, and, he, and he's a very fast learner. Well, that's good. I know he had the uh, he had to go to school longer than most guys, so hearing he's a fast learner, that's a good thing, and hopefully he can get up and get into the zone blocking scheme with you guys. Um, last offense question I have, so Marquise, you'll be able to get back into the interview here in a minute. Uh, <laughs> uh, wide receiver core has been a big topic of discussion. We've heard it everywhere about how bad the Dolphins wide receivers are, while at the same time I look at it like we're trying to spread the ball around more, and the reports we've all heard is that that's the way the offense is going. But yep. we do have the one big name that has popped up is Chad Ochocinco slash Johnson, whichever one he wants to go by right now. How has he looked so far? He's looked amazing, man. He's he's back to the old Chad. Um, he comes out, doesn't say much at all, just goes out and practices hard. And uh, he he came in and he he's got the attention of a lot of guys on the football team. And he's impressed a lot of guys. And so um, uh, it was a major pickup for us this off season. Obviously, in this offense, we don't need a number one receiver because we want to spread the ball around to all the different guys. But he was a major pickup for the Miami Dolphins this off season. Good. Actually, I have separate questions for Marquise and Mike. Okay. Uh, Marquise, I caught a glimpse of you in the new Batman movie. Uh, how'd you get involved with that? What was that like? Thomas Toll is one of our owners. Uh, he actually, uh, the producer for Dark Knights and a couple other great movies out there. And, uh, I actually texted him the other day and told him, uh, thank you for the opportunity to let me in the movie. And, uh, it's a great name. Everybody's been texting me and, uh, calling me about it. <laughs> and, uh, Mike, uh, one of my, I know we're still early in the Philbin regime, but what are some of the big differences between a Sperano-led locker room and a Joe Philbin-led locker room? Well, you know, you can't sit and sit there and talk about talk about about any coach because obviously each coach has their own method or, uh, or way of doing things. But I can tell you one thing: uh, Coach Philbin came in and he he demanded respect from the guys from day one. Uh, he told us that we're going to be on this all aboard. You know, everybody's going to be. Uh, playing as a team this year, and uh, the guys respected that. You know, um, obviously we we want to change down here in Miami, so we're going to do anything and everything that we can uh, follow follow our leader, and that'll be Coach Fields leading us this year. 
Mike, last year, week one, you had the fun job of lining up against Vince Wilfork to start your rookie year. For both of you, <laughs> who's the toughest guy you've had to line up against in your career? Well, uh, the toughest guy I've lined up against is Albert Hainsworth. Uh, he's a guy, when he wants to go, he, he's pretty much unblockable. And uh, so I, I say Albert Hainsworth. Uh, Marquise will probably say hello to Nada. And from what I heard, he is the best defensive lineman in the NFL. And uh, so I can't wait to have the opportunity one day to go against him. <laughs> okay. If you had to pick one game on your respective schedules this season that you've circled on the calendar, which game is it you're most looking forward to playing? Uh, I, you know what? I can't wait to play uh, New England. Uh, you know, uh, New England, they, they came down to Miami last year and beat us up pretty good uh, when they came down here. And then we went up there and got up 17-0 at halftime. And we end up losing that game. So you know, it's obviously one of our rivalry games that we take a, a, you know, we take very much pride in going out and winning those games because they're our rivalry games. And so I can't wait to go out there and play those guys this year again. So, Mike, so, do you see uh, the Patriots as the biggest rivals for the Dolphins? Uh, as of right now, you know, uh, obviously the Jets are included in that too, but. Uh, the Patriots team, the, the team to beat in our conference, and so we can't go wait and go out there and see what we can do against them this year. Well, Keith, do you have any other questions you wanted to ask? Uh, just one more. Uh, you guys were both very high draft picks for centers and uh, has actually surpassed the expectations that you had coming into the league. What has it been like to actually make the center position almost a glamour position at this point? Because it's almost like guys are looking for – I mean, you've become the archetype for what teams are looking for in centers. They want a pouncy-type center. That's the kind of guy they'll use a high traffic on. What's that like? Oh, we, we take pride in how uh, in, in how we play on the football field. And um, obviously, uh, you know, we, we kind of change the game up to more athletic centers, and uh, we take pride in that, man. We just go out there, and we just want to be the best at everything we do. And, um, you know, we're not saying that we're, we're going to go out there and just be perfect, but we're going to go out there and we're going to give everything we got. And uh, I think the, that we're we're going to change the, the swag of the office line. <laughs> well, I know you guys have other things to go do today. I want to thank you both for coming on. Uh, good luck to both of you this season. Um, and for all our listeners, make sure you guys go out, head over to both Facebook and YouTube's Duracell sites, vote for Mike, Sorry, Marquise. Got to vote for Mike. But you guys can you guys can help them help support the 2012 Team USA over in the London Olympics and send out some messages of support to our Olympians as they go through. Guys, thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you, thank so you much man. Travis. You guys have a good day, and like I said, good luck next season. Thank, thank you. Thanks, guys. Hey, and we're back live now. Um, if you guys want to call into the show, let us know what you thought of the interview. Uh, phone number is 347-326-9461. And, of course, you can talk to us on Twitter or on the live thread. Uh, James, Chris, comments, what did you guys think? What did you guys, How did you guys react to what uh, the uh, twins were saying? I am. Um... I thought it was a very good interview. Those were good questions. Uh, um, I thought it was – I found it kind of interesting. I chuckled a little bit when you asked the question about uh, the difference between Philbin and Sperano. 
And his first response was to, uh, <laughs> well, I didn't want to talk bad about a coach. So I, I don't know if he was thinking that you were implying that, but it seems to me that I think they are glad to be uh, glad that Philbin's the coach and not Sperano anymore. That's just kind of how I took his reaction to it. I don't know. I, I doubt it's the first time he's heard that that question. I'm sure he's been asked that a bunch, but the reason I I brought up that question to him uh, is because you heard about what it was. I mean, when when uh, Sperano was in there, it was somewhat of a loose, almost like a, a, a he's a friend of the players type atmosphere, and I haven't really seen that in Sullivan. It seemed like he wants to be friends with her educate and develop his players. He doesn't want to be their friend. He wants to be their, their educator. He wants to be their coach. So, I mean, that's really, and I like how, yeah, he, he at first, he didn't want to say anything about, uh, you know, any sort of coach, and then pretty much came out and said that Stilton <laughs> came in from guns blazing, which is all I really wanted anyway. I mean, I wasn't looking for him to, to tear on Sperano, but I, I am pleased to hear that Philbin went in there and immediately yeah. tried to take care of business. Yeah, I think it went well. Um, hopefully, guys, we can work on getting some more interviews like that, whether they'll be live or recorded. I don't know, but hopefully we can start bringing some more stuff into the uh, podcast. I know it's probably uh, things you guys would like to hear rather than me babble on and whoever, whichever co-host I have that week just Babylon. So I was very happy when that worked out. Um, it, it, it went really well. And yeah, Keith, thank you very much for uh, joining me. Cause yeah, you kept me on topic and you, you, beforehand Keith and I had talked about questions we had asked. And then like every question he asked was one that I had intended to ask and forgot about. So he did a good job of making sure that I remembered to ask interesting questions. Well, so, <laughs> the, the one thing, and I kind of want to piggyback this off of what uh, Duke just said, but um, when I interview people, like I'm not, like, I'm not going to ask them uh, vanilla questions and everything. Yep. I mean, it's just like you and I have talked about. Like, if we get a Tannehill interview, my first question is going to be, you know, what would you say to the people who thought you were a reach at number eight? A lot of a lot of Dolphins fans wanted a quarterback. And then we're disappointed when the team used a draft pick on you. What do you have to say to them? Like, I'm not. Wait, you're not going to ask him if and if he's ever told anybody he's taking his talents to South Beach? Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know that it's, upsets me. I know, and it was a loaded question just for it. <laughs> oh. I remember thinking, like, all right, great, we got the finger. Yeah, <laughs> mind. But I just wish I didn't have such a terrible radio voice. Because I, I do, I sound like Bill and Ted, which is a terrible thing. But, <laughs> but I don't know. That's just something where I mean, like I, I have so much respect for the the Posse Twins. It's, it's not even close. But you know, I want to ask ask the things that I wonder as a fan. And it's not, gee, you know, how great are you guys? How great can you guys be? It's, you know, what's the? I mean, you guys lost the first. I mean. Yeah, they didn't have a proper training camp that had to play into it. But you, you guys lost the first seven games last year. So, I mean, and you saw, I mean, that was his first pro experience. So he sees that locker room. And then your team gets rid of that coach, brings in a new guy who has an 
entire entirely different agenda in all walks of football. What's the, you know what what was the main difference? Because like he said, Sylvan commanded the team's attention, came in immediately, commanded that respect. I mean, and that's huge because I mean he didn't go in there trying to be their friends, not saying, hey, let's work together, let's do this. It's no, we're going to do it my way. We're going to play winning football. We're not going to lose the first seven games of the season and kick a lot of field goals and be happy about it. Yeah, I think that's, you know, with Philbin, it's kind of, he's got this uh, uh, sense about him that even though this is his first time as a head coach, he doesn't act like it's his first time as a head coach. He walks around like he's been there before, like, yeah, I, I know what I'm doing kind of thing. I, I don't know that I ever got that from Sperano. It always seemed to me like he was always, you know, just kind of confused or something at times. Maybe it was just me, but it seems to me when, when, when I first heard first heard Philbin talk and say things and talk about the team, it was kind of like, you know, I've done this. I'm cool, you know. And I guess that might be what Pouncey was talking about was that you know, he didn't come in here like, oh, I'm a rookie head coach during the headlights. He came in like, I know what I'm doing, guys. Get on my back and we'll go with this. I love the fact that he, he kind of puts himself out there as an educator, you know, be it as a disciplinarian, as a teacher, as someone that wants to develop. Like, I'm into that kind of stuff. I like the fact that there's not a lot of preening here where he comes in and he's just like, all right, let's let's try to look good while we do this and then let's all be friends at the end of it. Now that, I mean, that's not going to translate into victories at this level. Hey guys, I'm back. Sorry about that. I lost I lost my connection there for a minute. So I'm back in the show now. Um let let's let's uh James, I don't know why you keep getting kicked off. I keep get I got kicked off too, so I don't know what's going on. Um anyway, turning to uh the other interesting story for right now as the Dolphins do start their uh, training camp process is obviously the fact that Tannehill is not signed. The Dolphins have one rookie left to go. The AFC East has one rookie left to go, and Tannehill's not there. Um, I know we discussed it early on in the show, but one of the questions that was in the live thread was basically, what's the holdup? Why 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 are the Dolphins trying to play hardball with him? Let's just get him signed and get him into camp. Because what everybody's hearing is that it's all the offset language. And essentially what that's base what what that means is that say year three or year four of the four year deal, the Dolphins release Tannehill. He then goes and signs with some other franchise. What the holdup is, and this is what held up RG3's contract for a little while, was if whatever salary he signs for in that first year or those first two years, depending on how many years he gets cut out of Miami, um, if, say, the Dolphins owe him $5 million in year four and he goes to another franchise and signs for a $4 million for that season – the Dolphins would theoretically want the contract to be structured in such a way that the team would only owe him 
that one extra million dollars over what he signs for with the new team. Meanwhile, obviously, Tannehill and every player everywhere would want the full guaranteed amount to come from the Dolphins and then an additional amount from his new team. So the Dolphins would still pay him the full $5 million, and then his new team would pay him the $4 million they would be signing him for. So that's, that's what the holdup theoretically is. Is that actually what it is? Nobody really knows because none of us are in the negotiations. Maybe when we see hard knocks on August 7th, maybe we'll see what the holdup actually is. But that's, that's the speculation. Is those are the, that's the language that's trying to be worked out right now. It's not necessarily guaranteeing him the money. The money will be guaranteed. It's guaranteeing him the money to the point that he'll get the full amount from the Dolphins and money from a second team if he were cut. Now, will he actually be cut and some other team pick him up? Most likely not because the Dolphins will hold on to him for four years. He's a first-round quarterback. He's a top-ten draft pick quarterback. But theoretically, the language needs to be there. Saw somebody somewhere, I think it was on the site, it may have been in uh, somewhere else I was reading today, but raised the point that um, the Dolphins need to just go ahead and give in, stop holding him hostage over stupid money because in four years or in three years and he gets cut, Ireland won't be here anyway because he'll get fired because they failed on a quarterback and none of the fans are going to care about the $4 million they would save. They're going to just be up in arms over the fact that the Dolphins failed. And my point is, you know what? It doesn't matter because we may be up in arms over, oh, my God, we just had another quarterback failure. We may be up in arms that, oh, my God, Jeff Ireland needs to be fired and Joe Philbin needs to be fired and everybody and their brother needs to be fired from the team. We need a new owner. This whole thing needs to be blown up start taking dynamite into Sun Life Stadium and actually blow the stadium up, whatever we're going to be saying as Dolphin fans at that point. But in the long run, when we turn around and look at the salary cap in that structure, if Jeff Ireland can save us those $4 million, that could be the $4 million that get us a new quarterback. So there is a reason for Ireland and the Dolphins to play hardball. Now, like I said, is that what the holdup is? Nobody really knows. All we know is it's the offset language, just like every other rookie that's holding out right now. It's the offset language. So I really think late tonight, sometime tomorrow, news will come out that Tannehill signed and he'll be joining the Dolphins. Think about it. The Dolphins hold all the advantages here because his salary's already figured out. Um, how many years and how much of it's guaranteed, sure, that can be figured out, but still that's going to slot into the rookie wage scale because the seventh and the ninth picks are already signed. So everything's basically figured out. All that has to be solved is the offset language. But every practice that Tannehill misses is one less practice for him to go out there and try to earn the starting job. It puts him one more practice behind. So the Dolphins are looking at it like, you know what, Gerard or Moore are most likely going to start this season anyway. Tannehill has to look at it as every day he's not there is a day off of his chance to prove he deserves to start. So 
it'll get worked out. I'm <clears> still not sweating it, but that's basically where the uh excuse me, where the uh contract discussions are. And you know, I think there's more to the offset language than than just Tannehill getting cut because he's a bad player. What happens if he gets hurt um, and has a career ending injury? Uh, what happens if, let's say, Matt Moore steps up this year and develops into a franchise quarterback and we end up um, trading Tannehill? Without the offsets, that's just dead money on our salary cap. And, you know, we yep. saw it this year. We still had dead money from uh, whatever that outside linebacker's name, I can't think of his name right now, from two years ago. So, you know, by doing that, we can reduce our salary cap hit by doing that. And that's still important because there are other reasons besides just him being bad that he may not be on the team. Although I don't really see that, it's possible. It is. I mean, injury comes and you cut him, now you have all that dead salary just sitting there. Yeah. There, there's there There are lots of reasons why offset language and being able to get out of guaranteed money is a good thing in the long run. But um have another uh have another question from the thread that was up there a while ago and I saw it but don't know where it is now to give credit to who it was. Actually now I do see it. It's Limey Finn who is our question guru tonight. Um Limey Finn wants to know besides Chad Johnson, who do you guys think will be the stars of Hard Knocks this year? Uh, DNC for sure. Uh, uh, let's see here. I'd imagine you're probably going to have a lot of Monte Davis and his high pitched voice going on. <laughs> uh, He's got the personality on, for it too. Yeah, they'll probably focus how on how Incognito is a psychopath. Um, well, let's see. Kind of a tough call. I would say that my number one guy would probably be Dansby, though, just because that guy that guy talks a lot to begin with. And then, um, I don't know. From there, it's gonna it's gonna be tough because I mean, like, there's not, in my opinion, like a a lot of guys who are big time personalities and talkers on this team. I mean, I mean, Rashad Jones could could be one of those guys because he runs his mouth a lot, but. I don't know. Tough call. Tough call. Chris, Maybe what you thinking? Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Incognito was was my kind of, you know, sleeper for the star there just because he seems to be the kind of guy who enjoys being in front of the camera and, and talking and, and stuff like that. And he's he's a character, so I, I think he'll be, a, he'll be a guy that nobody or people may not expect to show up to be kind of a, a star there. Plus, at the worst, he can just Pee Wee Herman dance. Yeah, you know what I'm looking forward to is uh, hoping to see some kind of like camp presence where Jake Long kind of has that Andre the Giant thing going, where he just looms <laughs> over everyone and like doesn't really talk. He just, just like, looks mm-hmm. at him mm-hmm, the whole time. <laughs> Jason Scott says Smith, Sean Smith, and Vontae Davis. Then adds Jake Long and Incognito. James, you there? And do you have any ideas on who you think will be the star? Um, I'm I'm thinking probably Vontae Davis or Smith. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go completely a different way. I'm gonna say Jeff Ireland. 
I think that uh, with all the storylines and all the hatred that Miami has had for him, I think HBO, or Hard Knocks and HBO will try to get him a big presence simply because they, they know that there's controversy around him. And I think that with the way the team is trying to open itself up and let us as fans see things, Ireland will have a a presence on the screen. Whether or not it's a personable presence, I don't know, but he will have a presence on the screen. And I think he could end up being a star of the show that nobody's expecting to see. I hope, uh, I hope it's something where like they show him and he just callously cuts John Jerry and John Jerry starts crying, and then Ireland gets into his sports car and drives to the orphanage or something. Did you guys see the <laughs> post I made, um, I guess it was two, three days ago, about some of the random stories that have come out of uh, training camp over the 46 years the Dolphins have been in existence? My favorite one in that list, and if you didn't see it, it's still on there somewhere, um, but my favorite on there is Jimmy Johnson simply walking up to a punter during practice and going, you're cut, get out. <laughs> I mean, not even waiting till after practice, just right in the middle of practice, just walking up and cutting somebody. <laughs> just, it probably didn't move at all either. <laughs> but, awesome. yeah, there's, there's stories of, like, uh, Nick Saban making players cry on the field um, just by yelling at them. Um, we had uh, we have had guys impersonating Dan Marino, saying he won't be at practice, even though Marino was sitting there in the meeting. Um, that's the <laughs> guy outside the donut shop selling donuts or something. Yeah, he he was at a Krispy Kreme donuts, and every morning apparently he impersonated Marino to people there, even though he was reportedly, as it was written, a big fat bald guy who looked absolutely nothing like Dan Marino. But he was impersonating Dan Marino to people at the Krispy Kreme until the team sent security over there. Once they tracked him down, they sent security, the head of security over there, and he looked at him and said, you're either stopping this or we're calling the police. And they never heard from him again. They probably threatened to beat him to death or something. I, I doubt it was that civil, but I love the fact at Krispy Kreme and like probably all the the Miami civilians are like, does this guy ever practice? <laughs> But once he's on the field, man, that's not what he looks like at all. Yeah, right. What an <laughs> Jason what Scott adds. A, Jason Scott adds another person who could be a uh, star of Hard Knocks. If uh, Kevin Burnett, I think uh, yeah, only if, only if they get a shot of him threatening to kill Omar. <laughs> <laughs> That would be incredible. It's too bad they didn't do a hard knock last year because I would that's the kind of stuff I would sit down and watch. <laughs> Speaking of which, um I think it was Ben Volin. No, I think it was I take it back. Um Lavica. Ken Lavica. Mm-hmm. He was uh he, he put on Twitter today he's looking forward to training camp tomorrow, the first practice tomorrow, where he'll see a bunch of guys that he hasn't seen in three years, but they're all going to show up to training camp to try to get their faces onto hard knocks. It was like, wow, he just threw it out there too. <laughs> just flat out called them out. You haven't been to training camp in three years, and suddenly here you are. But <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Have you, um, I got an interesting question, actually. Kind of yeah. Going with that. Uh, who would you say is, 
best uh, Miami area journalist in terms of in terms of football writing? Who's the guy that when he puts stuff out, you're actually like, okay, I'll go read that. I like that. I actually value this guy's opinion. Um, look for a post with a breakdown of all the guys tomorrow. If you're listening, we're gonna have a list of all kinds of guys you can follow on Twitter and. Websites you can go to to get Dolphins information if the Finsider's just not doing it for you and not keeping you up to date enough, even though I'm sitting there at work typing on the Finsider more than I'm doing my work, but please don't tell my boss that. Um, but uh, and I know clairvoyant. I know, uh, yeah, K-Dog's clairvoyant. I don't know how he does it, but he's posting things before the news gets it. And I know yesterday I uh, I was running out. Needed something to go up on the site, so I sent Keith a message and said, hey, can you do this? And he goes, yeah, if you get me fired, though, we're going to have problems. So <laughs> we're trying to keep it up to date as fast as we can. But if we're not doing it, we'll have a list of other places you can go. Um, I still want to say Jeff Darlington, even though he's not actually a Dolphins beat writer anymore. He still has the ends with the Dolphins, and usually when he writes something, you know it's pretty factual. factual. You know it's pretty – in with the team um, of the actual beat writers. As much as I don't want to say it, it might be Omar simply because when he actually writes things about the Dolphins, he's usually pretty on. He just gets wrapped up in things that are not Dolphins related a little too much, especially on Twitter. Um, I like I really like actually probably my favorite one the guy that I would sit there and say when he writes I value his opinion not necessarily just the facts which is what I like out of Omar but that his actual opinion is probably Ben Bolin. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, probably Cote just because yeah. he's such a smart ass. Such a smart ass when it comes to stuff, and I love it. It just I, I just sit there and laugh when he puts stuff out there. But I'm, they, he's probably the, the the guy I I enjoy reading in that area. Jason Scott says Omar. Uh, Dolphin eighty eight says Barry Jackson. Chris, you got something? Um, uh, I. So I go along with the same thing you guys said. Uh, I mean, Omar can get a little uh, off track on Twitter about some things, but usually his writing is it's good to read. He's usually informed. Um, he's not just out there, uh, you know, just swinging wildly at stuff. He's usually kind of on point with things. He, the only thing I don't like, I guess, like you were saying with, with Ben Boleyn, I, I like his opinion a little better sometimes than Omar's opinion on things. Uh, right. But overall, I like those guys James better than everyone else. I think Omar's usually spot on, but you're correct. He gets off on rants about what a great human being he is or <laughs> his wife or just some random thing that none of us really care about because it's not right. related. That's not why we follow him. Right. And <laughs> I was having – I was actually having this discussion yesterday with my brother Um that you have two sides of the coin. And my brother said that he read it somewhere on the Fencider a while back. But you have two sides of the coin. You have the people who look at Omar and go, you know what? It's his Twitter account. You follow him, great. You follow him for the Dolphins stuff, 
But it's his Twitter account. If he wants to put all that stuff out there, that's fine. And then you have the other side of the coin that, you know what, it might be his Twitter account, but it's associated with the newspaper. If he wants to make a second account that is his personal account and write anything he wants, that's great. But So you have two sides of the coin. I see both sides. Um, normally, if he starts going off on a rant, I'll just ignore it, but – he he usually does like 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 we've all said he usually is pretty factual. Um, I do get there's another um man I say um way too much. Uh, I think uh, I think he uh, now I'm saying uh because I'm trying yeah, to say um. <laughs> he he gets he gets almost arrogant about the way he tries to hint that he has inside information. Like with the whole what was wrong with Brian Hartline this off season, he he posted on there a few times that it's a personal and private matter, and you just have to trust that it's a valid reason. And he he, he kept hinting at this that oh he knows, but he just can't tell us. And <laughs> I understand that he'll have inside sources. He probably talked to Brian Hartline himself. All this kind of stuff. I got that. But I don't need you to tell me that you know and that you're special because you know. So that that's my uh that that's that's another thing that kind of rubs me raw about him. Well, hey uh hey James, just so you know in case you're not watching the uh weather right now, you got some uh severe thunderstorms headed your way, it looks like. Hey, um, yeah, that's that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Just wanted no, to share I knew they were coming. But Do you, okay. um, one thing, actually, I want to add to this. If you really want to have fun with Omar's Twitter, just read it out loud. Yeah. It's always like, just got to the crib, going to make some <laughs> pudding and rub the wife's feet. <laughs> and we're going to watch America's Got Talent. It's just I sit there and just read it out loud and just laugh. The fun is when both Omar and the fake Omar account are tweeting at the same time. Because you get into some really interesting stories then because one will tweet about he's going to rub his wife's feet. The next one will tweet about how he hates the movie they're watching. And then all of a sudden you end up on these two storylines that have nothing to do with each other. And if you're not paying attention to the name, you don't realize it's two different people. Right. <laughs> it is stuff like that, like rubbing the wife's feet, making pudding, watching America's Got Talent. <laughs> going to hit the hay early, got to in the morning. Questions to answer, don't ask about quarterbacks. Stuff like that. One thing I would say in Omar's defense, I guess. Sorry. I would say one thing I would say in his defense would be that, you know, I have a a a massive Twitter following of twenty two people. He's got thousands of people yeah. Thousands of people who follow him and when he gets you know, when something happens he probably gets bombarded with, you know, Tons of questions that are basically the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm sure at some point he has to oh, repeat yeah. himself, and he gets tired of that. It would be the same thing if, you know, on the side, if somebody just kept posting the same fan post over and over and over again, you know, eventually he'd be like, we've read this. Stop posting yeah. it. And I think oh, he yeah. kind of gets that way at times. He gets to a point where he's like, listen, I've said what I was going to say. Stop asking. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I understand it. I, what gets me with that is he likes to do the check the timeline. And it's like, guy, you tweet out however many tweets a day. 
it's scrolled so far down your timeline that I'm not going to be able to find it. Just answer the question rather than saying check the timeline. Or just ignore the question altogether. But anyway, we, uh, we, we've slightly gone over our hour goal, given that we're almost to 90 minutes now. So uh, you guys have any last thoughts on the first day of training camp as we get ready to close the show? Mm-hmm. No. No. Wow. <laughs> so we're all talked out for the day, huh? Well, I, mean, <laughs> I do think we should get a 4-3 post out there because, I mean, there's so much. I should say like a 4-3 versus 3-4. There's so many things like that we would have to touch upon to really teach it. I mean, like we didn't even go over things like over and under fronts on the defensive line. I mean, that's an important thing, especially when you're looking to ahead in the isolate matchup. Who do I have as an author that could write that post? Hmm. Yeah, I don't don't know who. It's a very uh, busy process. (laughs) It is very much so. It is very much so. I have to have sufficient to write posts at this point. (laughs) So I mean, like I, I would love, I would love to to write it, and uh, I think I could. It's just being able to sit down and and dole out two hours where I can I can write that thing. But um, this, I mean, if you, there's various things on the internet that can a- explain things, and like the really good ones will will go ahead and give you background about stuff like Bum Phillips uh, working toward the one gap three four in the 70s, or you know Tony Dungy really working toward like an under front on the on the four three, which is why the three technique is also also called the under tackle. That's another thing. If you ever hear under tackle, they're talking about the three technique defensive tackle. <clears throat> I feel like I've just confused people more. I need to try a race board. Yeah, we need to figure out a way to make that part of the uh, show. That's but... not you. That's you. <laughs> but you're off the camera. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing, or the fancy thing, is now I have two. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Before we go, I, I'm going to plug two things. So if you've listened to all almost 90 minutes of us, I got two plugs for you. First is if you have a question that we didn't answer on the show or anything you want to ask, send it. Send me an email for tomorrow's video mailbag, and uh, it'll get in the show. And the second thing is sometime in the next. 24, maybe 36 hours, I'm going to have a uh, preview of training camp and the five storylines slash position battles to watch during training camp. Um, The Chiefs blog, Arrowhead Pride, theirs came out two days ago, and they are already bragging about how many watches they have and how they're killing the rest of SB Nation with the watches on this video. So I need to ask all of you, like we did with the Tannehill interview or the yeah, the Tannehill interview video. Let's uh make a good effort because I already called him out that the reason he's so far ahead is because he got a two day advance on us. So he's uh he's he's already trying to to trash talk me because I opened my mouth. So I need you guys to back me up and watch that thing like twelve times. Even if you don't uh watch the whole thing, you just hit play and then go away and come back and hit play again. Not saying do that, but <laughs> let's go ahead and get the watch count on that up. And uh, it'll, like I said, it'll come out in the next 24, 36 hours. 
SB Nation is actually adding some graphics to it, so that's why it's not out yet. But it'll be here soon. Um, and since we have three minutes and 48 seconds before I get cut off and I'm forced to stop talking because Blog Talk Radio will make me stop talking, um, that's all I have for the night, guys. Uh, for Chris, Keith, James, thank you very much for joining the show. Um, it was good having all of you. Keith, it was really good having you back on the show because like you, definitely, you definitely bring some uh, knowledge that I don't have, and you and Chris could probably talk for another 90 minutes on all this stuff, just the two of you. Probably. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Last thing I have to say is, I mean, there are two Darren Stevens, right? Dick York and Dick Sargent. Yeah, right, as if we wouldn't notice. Oh, hold on. Dick York, Dick Sargent. Sergeant York. Wow, that's weird. Night, guys. Good night. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening. <laughs>